Well, good morning, guys. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the roadblocks, the detours, the delays that we hit on the journey. Uh, next week, we get to focus on the destination a little bit. Um, but today, I want to talk about those unexpected twists and turns that we hit. Now, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I've, I've shared a little bit about myself before. By now, I guess you, you can figure out that I'm a little impatient at times. And um, I don't like waiting in line. I don't like, um, you know, I, I don't like, I don't like delays. And so when, um, even if I know where I'm going and I'm driving somewhere, I've usually got the GPS on just in case there's a traffic accident or something I need to, to, to reroute. And um, even then, uh, are you guys like this? I'm always, no matter where I go, I'm in a race to beat the time on the GPS. Are y'all like that? I don't care what, what it says. I'm like, if I, I'm like, and I'm thinking, wait, if I turn here, I think, you know, it's telling me to go straight, but I think this way is faster. Do y'all do that? I second guess it, and I'm, twi- I'm always like, you know, and you used to be like those old GPS units of the Garmin and, and all those type devices, you used to be able to beat the time. Now, Google and Apple have gotten pretty smart. It's getting hard to beat the time now. Uh, so you have to really, um, uh, you have to watch your speed limit. So let me say that, if you're trying to, to beat that. Um, and so you got to be careful. But I'm always trying to shave off a, a few minutes and, and find a better route. And, and can I say, don't, don't we do the same thing with God? Don't we try to, uh, we don't entri- entirely trust His path. So we're saying, well, maybe if I take this way, it'll be better. Maybe if I just kind of go, instead of kind of following his pace, maybe if I go this direction or take this turn in life or or do this, maybe it'll get me to where I want to go. And we don't really trust his guidance and his direction. Um, Now, in the Old Testament, there's a verse in Proverbs that uh, you probably are familiar with, but it's just simply this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his, his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, again, it sounds so simple, but yet it's something that we struggle with. We don't always trust God's path. We do things in our own way, and we do things in our own timing. What we see with the disciples is this is something they struggled with, too, and um, I'm going to be in Acts today, but I, I just kind of start off early in Acts. You see this. Already, the disciples are pushing back against Jesus, against kind of his plan, his purposes, his timing. In, in Acts 1, it says this, the apostles were with Jesus. This is right at the end before he ascended back to heaven. They, they, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Again, it's like in their mind, in their plan, they're like, Jesus, okay, we know, right, you, you've been crucified and, and you came back to life, and, but now, okay, we're ready. When are you going to overthrow the Roman government? And, and they're like pushing him, like, when is this going to happen? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, what he's telling them is, you've got to get with the program. You've got to wait on my timing. You've got to wait on my power. And when you receive it, then you're going to know what to do. 
then you're going to know how to tell people about me. And so we've got to learn, right, to, to do things on God's timeline. And it brings me to my first point this morning, right, that we need Jesus to show us the right path at the right pace. If we're talking about this journey, we're talking about taking direction from God, we need to know what path to take, and we need to know what pace to take it at. Um, your pace, if you look up the definition, it's, it's your rate of movement. But it's also an example to be emulated. And so uh, what path are, are you on in life? And, and, and are you going at the right pace? And, and, I, and when I say pace, I think we automatically think, well, we need to slow down. Well, sometimes Jesus moved pretty quickly, right? It's not always that we need to slow down, but we need to trust him to follow his example and do what he's called us to do. Now, if you're a runner, uh, or if you've ever been in a race, you know that sometimes they have uh, kind of pace setters. Uh, sometimes at the bigger races, they'll, if you're running a 5K, they'll say, if you want to run a 20-minute time, then run, run with this person. And their job is to run that pace to get you to the finish line at the right time. Um, and the same thing for marathons and half marathons. They, they have sometimes the faster races, they call them rabbits. They go out and set the pace. Um, and, and my question for you is, who is setting the pace in your life? Who is setting the pace in your life? Is it Jesus or is it you? Now, I, I want to talk about a, a, an athlete. And, and I would say he's probably one of the greatest athletes of our time. And yet, most people in this room have never heard of him. Um, there's a guy out there. He's a runner. I'll give you that. Um, his name is Eliud Kipchoge. Have any of y'all heard of him? A few, I know some of our runners have. It's not a, a common name. Um, this guy, you know, as good as LeBron James is, as good as Steph Curry is, as good as Tom Brady is, Kipchoge is better. <laughs> I'm just telling you. If you study sports and history, he's one of the greatest athletes alive. He has ran 17 marathons. Okay, he started out doing 5Ks. He's from Kenya. Um, he has won 15 of the 17 marathons. He consistently kind of keeps lowering the world record. Uh, the world record back in the, in the 70s for the marathon was two hours and nine minutes. He's got the record now, two hours and one minute. It's always been thought that nobody could ever break two hours. Uh, and he did it. Um, he actually broke two hours. It's not considered a world record because he did it with pacers. Um, he, he ran a special race just for him, um, and this was back in 2019. You can go, and there's a documentary on it. Uh, but he had, uh, uh, he had people lined up and a pacer set and on a closed course, uh, and he ran uh, one hour and 59 minutes for um, a marathon. Now, in your mind, you may think, well, that doesn't, uh, I mean, you may not have a frame of reference for how fast that is. I have a treadmill at home, Okay. My treadmill goes up to 12 and a half miles an hour, as fast as it goes. And it feels like I'm flat out sprinting at 12 and a half miles an hour. He ran that marathon at an average pace of over 13 miles an hour for, for two hours. And in fact, there was a, a video, I'll show it here. We won't show it on the live stream, but you, you, got, you, guys, you guys get to see it. There was a video, they have a, a treadmill at the Chicago Marathon where they put people on it running at the speed that he ran the marathon on. And that's him running. Uh, 
and he actually has lowered that time since then. He ran it in uh, the 2022 Berlin Marathon. He ran quicker. Uh, but people were trying to run his speed, and you just see everybody falling and flipping off. A few people were able to do it for like a minute, but to think to do that for two whole hours. Um, and the reason I show you that, right, is even as incredible of an athlete as he has, uh, to, to get his time even better, he had to have someone pacing him and, and setting, uh, setting the pace. Um, and so l- let me ask you, are you happy with the pace of your life? Uh, do you have someone you're following? Do you know what speed that you need to be running at? And, and the, the truth is, when we look to the world, the world is telling us a much different pace of life than what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is calling us on a different path and, and, and a different pace. And, and to, to be honest, if you want to be a follower of Jesus and a healthy follower of Jesus, you've got to learn to follow the pace of Jesus. And so today, I, I want to talk about that. I want to take you to Scripture. I want us to, to look at a, a, a time in, 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 in Scripture here where Paul was trying to go somewhere and God kind of rerouted him. God kind of said, this is not the right pace. You need to go somewhere else. You need to, to follow me if you want to do what I'm calling you to do. In Acts 16, um, we find this story. Uh, it, it's been called the, the Macedonian Call, right? This is a, a, a kind of a famous passage of Scripture. Um, and in verse 6, it says, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Now, that kind of brings me to my next point, and it's simply this. God can use roadblocks and delays to slow us down and reveal His true plan. As we read this story in Acts, what we find is that uh, sometimes life can be difficult. Sometimes our plans don't turn out the way that we expect them to, right? Uh, Sometimes it's like, I know what I want to do, I know where I want to go, and and then along the way, uh, we're we're sure of it, right? But along the way, it's like nothing works out. And, And you realize that God had something else planned. We see here how the Holy Spirit kind of redirected Paul. Paul was like, this is where we're going to go. This is the plan. And as you read through Scripture, you'll learn that Paul was a planner. He was a detailed guy, right? He he knew what he was doing. Um, And and kind of the backstory to this, right, uh, is that there was a disagreement in Acts 15 between Barnabas and Paul because of John Mark. Paul, like, I don't trust John Mark. I don't want him to go on this trip because he bailed out on us last time. And Barnabas is like, no, let's give him a a second chance. And so they ended up having such a disagreement that they split up into two separate teams and and went their own ways. And now Paul is going on this trip, and nothing is working out. Roadblock after roadblock. And what do roadblocks do? They cause us to kind of reevaluate. Uh, They they cause us to reevaluate our goals, our dreams, our desires. Is this really, God, what you're calling me to do? They they cause us to question things. 
And when we hit roadblocks in life, it should make us do that, right? When nothing is working out, we've got to be able to stop and step back and, and, and seek God and say, okay, God, this is not working out. Why? Uh, is there something else? Is there a better way? Is there a different path? Am I going at the wrong speed? And when you get delayed like this, right, it reveals God's timing. It, it forces us to relinquish control and say, God, I want to follow you. I want to do things your way. And that's where Paul kind of finds himself here. And so everything they wanted to do, it doesn't work out. Uh, have you ever had something in your hap life happen like that where door after door just gets slammed in your face? Where, where you think this is what should happen and it just doesn't work out. I read this week, it said exactly how God prevented Paul and his companions from carrying out their planned evangelistic itinerary, Luke doesn't say. We don't know how the Spirit communicated this, right? We don't know if it was through circumstances or through what inward conviction or a belief or someone told them by words or signs. But somehow, somehow the, the Apostle Paul and his team were denied the opportunity for ministry that they were seeking. So they just kept moving west, bouncing from place to place, until they reached the sea at Troas on the western coast of Asia Minor. It had to be mystifying to them, to their faith and their patience, wondering why they couldn't go where they had planned to go. And, and that's to me, right, that's, that happens in our life, where we have a plan and it simply doesn't work out. There, there are open doors and there are closed doors. And often God will open a door at just the right time. But God also closes doors to prevent us from going where we don't need to go. And so are we attuned enough to the Spirit of God? Are we walking step by step with the Spirit to know that when God closes a door, that means there's an opportunity to change direction, to change our path, to change our pace? Um. Another author, Boyce, said this. He said, we need to understand that closed doors, though they are a type of negative guidance, they are a true guidance. If we can learn anything from the Apostle Paul here, we learn that negative guidance merely keeps us from where we are not called in order that in God's time we might come to where God is truly calling us and will provide blessing. So, so in essence, when we hit a closed door, it's not the end of the world. It's a good thing because it's showing us, right, that, that God has something better in store. And, and I'll tell you this, too. You've got to be careful. Sometimes just because you have an open door doesn't mean it's the right door. Just because you have an opportunity doesn't mean you should take it. Because Satan is great at opening doors, too, to take you places you don't need to go. So again, we've got to stay close enough to God. We've got to abide with Him. We've got to listen to Him. We've got to spend time with Him so that we can allow Him to guide us. And, and so let me just ask you, when you hit a roadblock in life, when you, that door is slammed shut, how do you respond? Uh, whether it's about a job opportunity, right? Whether it's about uh, a, your plan that you're making or uh, whatever, finance, finances in your life, or you, you hit a roadblock, how do you respond? D does that make you give up on God? or does that, Do you view it as an opportunity to kind of change direction? 
In the book of John, Jesus said this. He said, do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. He's telling them, I'm getting ready to leave. When I leave, you're going to get something better. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what guides us. It's, it, it says that it will guide and instruct us in all truth. The Holy Spirit is what is that little voice that sometimes prevents us from doing something that we know we shouldn't do. And we've got to learn to listen to that Holy Spirit prompting in life because it can be a roadblock, it can be a delay. But what it's doing, right, it's forcing us to, to, to slow down and, and think about what God's true plan is. And that kind of brings me to my next point. As we keep going in this story, we see that there's not just roadblocks, but they're detours. They have to change direction. And detours show us the better path. Now, we have it pretty easy now when we get, uh, if you, like I was talking about GPS earlier, if you're driving somewhere and there's a wreck up ahead, your phone will actually reroute you around the accident, right? It'll reroute you. Um, back in the old days, it was a lot harder, right? You, you didn't know about things um, and you actually had to pull out a map and figure out, you know, a, a way around wrecks and road closures and stoppages and all that. Um, sometimes detours aren't bad, but they do. Uh, man, they throw us for a loop sometimes. Uh, my son Drew, um, some of y'all know, he went out west fishing <laughs> this past summer and had a great trip. Him and a buddy went out, spent a month uh, fishing out in Wyoming and uh, Idaho, Montana, and fly fish, a big fly fishing uh, trip, and just camped in a, a tent, and, and just a really cool trip. On their way out there, they were driving out there when the floods in Yellowstone hit. Now, their plan was to spend a lot of time in Yellowstone fishing, right? But on their way out there, they're watching their, you know, they're getting the news reports that, hey, the, part, the road is completely gone. And so their whole plan had to change. And it made me think about this, right? They had two ways they could have responded. Now, they had planned this whole trip day by day, where they were going to go, what they were going to do for a month, right? And now they get thrown for a loop. Now, thankfully, uh, they were like, they just rolled with it. They just rolled with it, and they were able to, to change their plans and go different places, and they had a great time. But I'm thinking, you know, at, my, that, at that age, I would have responded differently. At that age, I would have been really frustrated. I would have like, you know, it, it's easy when our plans get changed to, to get frustrated, to get angry, uh, to kind of wallow in our self-pity a little bit and like complain. You don't believe me? Um, go on Galax Talk of the Town on Facebook. When people's plans get changed, do they, what are they, how do they respond? They complain. It's a whiny, whiniest bunch of people sometimes. When you look, um, it's amazing how people complain about everything. And usually it's something didn't turn out the way they had planned. And instead of viewing it as an opportunity to, to bless someone, to minister, to, to show God to someone, they view it as, a, I'm just going to complain because I didn't get my way. That's, that's, that's the American way. Let's respond by complaining. 
Let's just whine about everything bad that goes wrong instead of viewing it as a delay or a detour that will show us the better path. Now, in this story, right, um, they had traveled all this way and, and, and they had left Israel and they're going out into to, to Europe, really. I mean, they're in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. So that's where they're at now. They're in Turkey. They're, they're traveling here. And, and, and they're like, well, what are we supposed to do now? We're not where we had planned. And that brings us to Acts 16, verse 9. That very night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia. Macedonia is over in Greece, right? Uh, and, and northern Greece. He was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. I mentioned earlier that this passage has been called the Macedonian Call. And uh, it, really what this is, it's someone from Macedonia praying, God, will you send someone to us? Paul hits roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. He doesn't realize that it's the answer to someone else's prayer. He doesn't realize that God is detouring him from where he wanted to go to where he needed to go. And in life, we've got to start understanding that detours aren't bad. They just get us to where God needs us to be. Um, so I read, this was so good. He said, obviously, I read this this week. It said, obviously, there was so much work they could have done in Asia. But God's vision for them was bigger. A whole new continent, Europe, stretched away to the west and to the north. It was filled with people and tribes and nations who needed the gospel. In his dream, Paul saw a man standing on that further shore begging him to come over and help them. So what did they need there? They needed the gospel. They needed hope. They needed to know about Jesus. And God used Paul, and he used all these roadblocks and delays and detours to get Paul from where he was to where God needed him to be. Now let me ask you in your life, again, how do we view those roadblocks, delays, and detours? Do we allow God to, to change our plan, to change our path, to change our direction, to change our pace, and get us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And that brings me to my next point as we keep going in the story. When we trust God's plan, we start seeing God at work all around us. Now, again, as long as we're complaining, as long as we're whining, we don't see it. All we see is the problem. But when we step back, we finally see God at work. As we keep going in Acts 16, it says, we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of uh, Samothrace, and the next day we were at Neapolis, and from there we reached, reached Philippi, uh, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. And on the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God, and she listened to us. The, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized. She asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. So they arrive in they, they arrive here in, in, in Macedonia, and they're immediately able to see God at work. 
they run into Lydia. Now, it said she was a, she dealt, dealt in purple cloth. And it was interesting, when we were actually in Israel, they talked about this. To, to, to make the purple dye, there's this little seashell that they find in the Mediterranean. They have to crush and like pulverize it. And it takes a huge amount of them just to make a little purple dye. So purple was a very rare color uh, in the ancient world. And it was only used by kings and royalty usually because it took so much time and effort to, to, to make the dye. And so this woman was very, let's say, aff, you know, affluential. She had a lot of money because she dealt in something that was very hard to come by. Now last week, I talked about something that we are to look for people who are open and receptive to the gospel. A person of peace. What do you think Lydia was? Lydia was a person of peace. They went to the riverbank. They started preaching. She was open and receptive to what they were saying. She listened. Not only that, she's like her whole family got saved. And then she invited them to stay in her house. She served them. It's a perfect example, just like we talked about last week, of a person of peace. And when they find someone like that, that's where you stop and invest and pour into them because they will have a lasting influence. And so we see, right, God used all of these roadblocks and delays and detours and he got them to a place where the right person, a person of peace, needed to hear the message. And when they heard it, they responded. And when they heard it, their family responded. And when their family responded, the community responded. And the community, it it kept growing. And then later on, right, you see Paul write all of these letters to churches. Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians. All of these letters are to churches that are located in this region. right? Asia Minor. Uh, all around this area, that he, all these places he had just been detoured through, uh, churches were established. The gospel uh, was kind of went to the ends of the known world, all because Paul was able to listen to God's plan. Another author said this. He said, at that time, Paul probably had no idea of the greatness of God's purpose. God wanted to give him a continent for Jesus, to give him a personal doctor in Luke, uh, and to give all of us the man whom God would use to write more of the New Testament than anyone else did. God knows what he is doing when he says no. God knows what he's doing when he reroutes us. God knows what he's doing when he shuts doors and reroutes us. And that leads me to, to my final point this morning. We focus on where we're going, but God is focused on who we are becoming. We, we focus on where we're going. We focused on uh, where our destination, and we'll be talking about that next week, that destination, and make sure we get that part right. But he's focused on who we're becoming in the process. And, and so he uses these things to shape and to mold us to, to be better attuned to, to the things of God. Um, what a tragedy it would be for us if we get to the place that we have planned and we're not the right person when we get there. What a shame it would be we get to where we want to go and we get there and we don't look anything like Jesus. That's the problem, right? When we get so focused on 
doing things our way and our, our speed and, and our path, and we don't really listen to Jesus, when we don't allow Him to move us and, and change our direction and change where we're going, this is, this is the danger for all of us. I'm afraid that it's so easy to get sidetracked from God's plan and, and His purpose. It's easy to think that our life is all about accomplishing stuff for us. Gaining wealth and gaining success and gaining things. And, and we get all this, we get so consumed about gaining stuff and we get so consumed with us that we forget Him. And we forget what we are called to be like in the process. I, this week I just kept thinking about um, a quote from a book I read years ago. David Platt wrote a book called Radical. And I don't know if any of y'all have read that. We did a, a small group on that, that study one time. And, uh, it's a cha- I mean, it's a, it's a convicting book. I'm just going to tell you. He, he steps on your toes. But I went back and, and read this from him. He said, I think with the way that we have unprecedented material blessing, with the way we have a culture built on self, self esteem, self confidence, all of these things, we begin to twist the gospel into something that it's not. We make it look like us and we fit it into our lifestyle instead of adjusting our lifestyle to the gospel. In the process, we make following Jesus more American than it is biblical. As a result, there seems to be a major disconnect between what it means to follow Christ in the first century and what it means to follow Christ in our definition of the 21st century, America. He, he talks about this a lot, the American dream. He says, in its most general sense, the American dream is about opportunity. We all have our own goals and visions, and the American dream is about allowing for those desires to manifest. But he said this, he said, I believe that the gospel and the American dream have fundamentally different starting points. The American dream begins with self, exalt yourself. Say that It says that you are inherently good and you have in you what it takes to be successful in all you do. You can work with everything you have to make much of yourself. But the gospel's starting point is completely different. The gospel begins with God, the reality that we are created to exalt His name to the ends of the earth. I am not inherently good. The gospel tells me that I'm inherently evil and that I need someone else to save me. The self is crucified from the start in the gospel, so from the starting point, everything changes. Now it's not what I have in me, but what God provides in me. It's not about my life, but the life of Christ. It's not about me making much of myself, it's about me making much of God. And from those starting points flow two different trajectories for our how life looks, how success looks like, and what satisfaction in life looks like. And if we miss the starting point, either self and the American dream or God and the gospel, then that changes everything from then on out. Can I just say, we've got to learn to discern the difference between the American dream and the gospel call on our life. We've got to learn to listen to God when He guides and directs us and changes our path and and calls us to do hard things. We've got to learn to listen to Him when it may seem like an inconvenience. It may seem like it's messing up our plans, but realize that there's something greater going on and it's not about us, it's not about our convenience. It's about Him and His glory. So, So this whole series, it's been about what direction are you going? On this journey, 
Are we following after Jesus? Or are we following after ourselves? That's the question we're wrestling with, right? I mean, that's what it all comes down to. What is important? So I want you guys to think about that. I want to pray about that. I want to give you a chance to respond. So let's go ahead and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, your word calls us to follow after you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. So, Lord, our our prayer this morning is that we would be able to to listen to your Spirit at work within us who reveals your plan and your purposes and your ways, that we would be able to listen to that still, small voice of God that guides us and directs us, that equips us, that empowers us. Lord, would we listen to it and we would allow you to interrupt our lives. You are the God of all creation. You have a right to interrupt our lives. And Lord, let us view those not as interruptions, but as divine callings to give us a new direction, to give us a new destination, to give us a new purpose. Lord, I'm so thankful that your word that we can continue to learn from. And I'm thankful for this church that just continues to push us to serve you in so many different ways. But Lord, would we... Most of all, just be about your work to tell people the wonderful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How we can find forgiveness of our sins. How we can find purpose for our life. How we can find meaning when we surrender ourselves and make you the Lord of our life. When we trust you, put our faith in you. When we believe and follow after Jesus. That's what we thank you for this morning. And we praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.